Well, hello guys. David Vos here. Looks like it's um, kind of cooling down. I hear there's going to be a real cold snap tonight. And it may get down to like 16 degrees here. Well, I hope you're having a wonderful day and you're keeping warm. If you're anywhere further north, you're probably going to be really cold tonight. So be careful, guys. Get your firewood in and, you know, make sure your, your kids are in the house before it gets too cold outside and, and you know where they're at. Well, guys, I told you guys yesterday, I, you know, we did that video on um, uh, Matthew 4 about the temptation in the wilderness. And I was saying that, that today I wanted to do a video about the verse in the Bible, it's actually in Matthew. We were in Matthew chapter 4 yesterday. We'll be in that Matthew chapter 10, kind of. We're going to show you a lot of verses and, and some amazing ideas that I really don't think anyone's ever understood. Now, there's got to be a reason why we're beginning to understand all of this. I think that the time that we're living in is very interesting i see some signs not only in the world the things that are going on in the world but it really appears that the lord is bringing to light some of these things that the scriptures were talking about that we've kind of lost for a couple thousand years so we're going to be in matthew chapter 10 where it speaks of not to go into the way of the gentiles or into the city of the samaritans it doesn't mean a bad thing it, it means ethnics, right? The, the peoples. That's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean like what we think the word pagan means or heathen, but it means the nations. That's the best way to, to say the word, the nations. There's lots of nations. I mean, I don't know how many nations technically. Like, what do you even consider a nation? Today we have over 200 nations. But... I don't know how many nations there would be if you wanted to count every individual nation. Um, today, we claim that there are like 200 nations, but I don't even know what we would... You know, today, it's, it's arbitrary borders, right? There might be various tribes in one nation or ethnicities. So we're blurring the lines of what a nation is that way today. But in reality, the Lord knows that there are family lineages or ethnicities and he knows how many there are. And basically, according to the Bible, there's about 70 or 72 distinct nations because everybody came, the, the, the nations that the Lord, our Heavenly Father, recognizes is basically 12. You could say one. Everybody's from Adam, right? That's the race or the, the we're all one nation like even America, we're all these different ethnicities, but we're one nation under God, right? So, but but yeah, we all are related. So it just really depends on what you mean by being related as tribes or nations. Because if you go back far enough, we're all related. So where do you want to go? Well, the Bible only recognizes 12 nations, ultimately. But in each of the houses or 12 nations... There are, there are a variety of other nations. It splits into smaller nations. 
And ultimately, there are 72. Now, how do we know that? Because Jacob had 12 sons, and those are the 12 houses or 12 tribes that we can show, and we will today, show that everybody in the world is a part of. Even if you are from Dan or from Judah or from Joseph or from Naphtali or Asher, or and you probably wouldn't even know which of those tribes you were from anyway, except for one group of people, maybe two uh, Judeans, tend to know, some of many of them know, some of them anyway, know who they are, they claim. And there are many individuals that know that they are Levitical people. They're from Levi, from the house of Aaron. But the rest of the world doesn't have a good concept that the average person in that particular nation wouldn't really even know specifically what nation they were. Well, see, this is where it gets really weird too because the two nations that make up Judea is Jude and Benjamin. That's two nations. But they had part of the tribe of Levi. So you could say there are at least three nations in the southern tribe. And there probably was, in the Judean nation, there probably was a remnant of other tribes there. Because if, if there were any of Asher or Naphtali or Dan or whatever that didn't get scattered... You know, somehow or another, they, they, maybe in, it, when it first happened, a few of them didn't go into the, into the dispersion. And so they may have gone back with the Jews, but there are very few. They're, 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 most of the people that we, we hear about, like in the Bible, the Apostle Paul was a Benjamite. Well, that fits very well with the fact that we know that Judah and Benjamin was the, the southern tribe. We know there was a few Levites because they had a priesthood. Although, some of the Levitical priests went with Dan. Some of them went with other, you know, there may have been, we know there were, were different kinds of priests in the world. But if the Gentiles or these nations are just the lost 10 tribes, and we're going to call them the lost, then you've also got the Samaritans. Don't go into the way of the Samaritans, but rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So, you don't go to the Gentiles, but go to the lost sheep. They are Israelites, whether they're lost or not. The meaning of the word lost does not mean that they don't know who they are, but it means that they're not under the covenant. And the fact is, is that the Judeans were also of Israel, because Israel is 12 tribes, all 12. And the other 10 are Israel. So who are the lost tribes of Israel? Well, they would be the ones who were blind, as the Apostle Paul says, which is Judea. And if we look at the verse where it says, don't go into the, to the way of the nations that are not the lost ones, who may have a higher priesthood, like Melchizedek, so they're not lost. But do go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. If that was Judea, why would the Judeans be lost? Because they are blind, because they're under this false deity. They've fought, they've, they've, they're no longer under the true covenant, the Melchizedek covenant, the promise, under covenant to the El Elyon, the Most High. But they are now lost because they've gone over unto the devil. They're worshiping Yahweh. This is why they're lost. Now, I know this sounds very, it sounds crazy for people who, who've never heard this or, or have never even thought about this, but we're going to prove what we're saying here today. So, 
Gentiles and Samaritans have something in common here. They're not lost, right? Because he says, don't go to them, but do go to the lost of the house of Israel. And who did they go to? I'm going to show you proof right now that what I'm saying is true. Just without even showing any verses, right? Just with what we already know. Who did the disciples, all 12 of his apostles and all of his disciples, he sent them out two by two. Who did they go to? Well, they didn't go to the Gentiles. They didn't go to the Samaritans. And we'll, we'll see where Jesus met the woman, the Samaritan woman or the Canaanite woman. And he was like, nah, I can't talk to you. Can't give the food that's for the little children to the dogs. Oh, what is that talking about? So the Jews were children. And this Canaanite woman was a dog. You see, it gets very confusing. The Canaanite woman that Jesus spoke to was not. She might have been of the nations, but she wasn't under the true covenant. Because she had had five husbands. The man she was with now was not her husband. So she wasn't under any covenant, right? She, wasn't, she didn't have a husband. She didn't have a covenant. So that's why she was called a dog. Because we're going to find out that the word dog refers to anyone who's not under a covenant with the Lord. You're unclean. If you're a dog, you're unclean. There are other unclean animals. There are pigs. There's, um, you could say, uh, lions. There were other unclean animals that the Bible talks about. This kind of gets confusing for a moment until we figure out what we're really talking about as far as lost and unclean and all of this. This is going to blow your mind when you find out. But one thing we know, that whoever these Gentiles were and the Samaritans, they're not the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And we know who Jesus and his disciples went and preached to. They, preached, they went and preached to Judeans. So if that was the only people they were allowed to preach to, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and they only preached to Judeans, then we know that the lost sheep of the house of Israel are Judeans. That's, that's a done deal. We, we know that, period, because there's no other way to take that. And we'll find corroboration of that as we go. But, but we have corroboration enough right there in that statement because it's not, it's not ambiguous at all. He says, do not go to Gentiles and Samaritans, but do go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and then he specifically says, only go to Judea. Remember, Peter didn't want to go to the nations. He wanted to only talk to, to Judeans. All these Judeans in that country, they didn't go outside of the country. They didn't do missionary work. But they did. It's not like the Lord didn't want the gospel to go unto the Gentiles. Because after Jesus died, he made a new covenant. So before he died, there wasn't a new covenant. It hadn't been made yet. Jesus made the new covenant on the night in which he was betrayed. On the day of preparation. And he says, I make a covenant with you. Drink ye. This means my body or my blood. And eat. This means my, my body, which is broken for you. And he says, I make a covenant with you for a nation, for a kingdom. And you'll sit upon 12 thrones. And you'll judge the 12 tribes of Israel. So there are 12 tribes of Israel. Some are lost. And you would think that the ones that were lost were the ones scattered. But it's not true. Because as it says right here, the Gentiles, they were not allowed to go and preach to them. But they were only to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They did not do missionary work. Peter did not want to go outside of the Judeans. 
Peter only wanted to go to these Judeans. And then you say, well, okay, so now we get a little idea about what maybe the word lost means. The Apostle Paul says that the Judeans were blind. It says blindness has happened in part to Israel. Well, what is this blindness? Well, Jesus said, speaking to the Sanhedrin, to the Judeans, he said, you're blind guides, right? If you, if you are going to guide or lead somebody and you're blind, then you'll both fall into a pit. So we have all kinds of verses in the Bible where Jesus says that the, the Judeans were blind. Right? He didn't condemn anybody. Any human being, they're always children. But he said they were condemned. They had already become condemned of their own volition because they were under the law. And the law condemns everyone that's under the law. So by virtue of their being under this devil, this vengeance, this jealousy, and this law, they were cursed, they were blind, and now we see they were lost. Well, so, and then you have Paul saying, well, the gospel will go to the Jew first and then to the Greek. And I always wondered about that. Why? Why would he go to the Jew first? Well, because, remember the story we always talk about. This happened three times in three different, with, with three different, well, two prophets in the Lord Jesus. So three different people did this. But first, Elihu raised the widow's son, the widow of Zarephath. And we've said that that was a priesthood, the priesthood of Zerah, the king priest line of Zerah. We see the widow had a son and it died. It had to be brought back miraculously. That son represented that priesthood, the Melchizedek priesthood. So even though there is the remnant of the Melchizedek priesthood, and we got Buddhism and Shintoism and Zoroastrianism, stuff like this, but the world hasn't really heard from Zoroastrianism for a long, long time. Now Daniel was the head of the Magi, and so he went up there into Persia, and he was, you know, was there then. But it was brought back by Elihu. That's why it was there at that time. Well, at some point, it disappeared again because Jesus brought it back in his day, more or less as a symbol of the fact that it was not alive when, he, when Jesus raised the widow of Nain, her son. That's the same city. And it's the Melchizedek priesthood. But in the days of Jesus, it had gone away. And so the only people that were laboring under a covenant at that time was these Judeans. And so they were lost because they had followed the devil. But they had to have the gospel preached to them first because the gospel was going to go into the Gentiles. And it couldn't go to the Gentiles, back again to the Gentiles, until these Judeans had been condemned or had shown that they rejected the gospel. And then it would go to the Gentiles. Same thing happened with Elihu. He went up there and Israel had rejected. They killed all the prophets and they were following Jezebel. And then he, you know, Elihu said, you know, you guys are gone. You rejected the Lord. And then he went to Syria to that priesthood and raised up the widow's son. So Jesus did the same thing. He basically told the Judeans, you know, this is your last chance. I'm going to go to you first 
give you the gospel, but, you know, you'll reject it. That will open the door for, you know, remember the wedding? He's going to go out and invite people to the wedding and they didn't show up. So he went out into the streets to find those that were willing to come. That's the Gentiles. They went out all around the world now. We're going to bring in the Gentiles. Because the Judeans, that old covenant, they didn't repent. They didn't listen. And they rejected. I mean, nobody can be, you know, I mean, they were already condemned under the law of Moses. But he offered them the truth and many of them rejected. He got a few. There were Judeans who received the gospel, the, the apostles and disciples, they did. But the nation itself had to reject it wholly, completely. So he went to the Jews first and then once they rejected, he went to the Greeks. And you see, you find parables like this where Jesus said something about that the good shepherd would go off and find that one lost sheep, right? And he'd leave the 99 behind and go find that one lost sheep because he's a good shepherd. So Jesus loves everybody, even these apostate Judeans who had gone wholly turned aside and become apostate. He went to them to try and save as many as he could because he came to save the lost. Remember how Jesus always gave parables like this? They couldn't understand why he was out running around preaching to people that weren't clean. They didn't have the covenant, right? Jesus said, well, you know, you've got to go to those that are sick. They, they're the ones that need the physician. You don't, if you're already well, you don't need a physician. And Jesus said, now you say you see, so your sin remains. But those who do not, they're not hypocrites. They, they're humble, then they have no sin. Because I don't hold anybody accountable for their sins. Only those who will not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved and resist the gospel remain under that condemnation. The Lord doesn't condemn anybody. They follow after that condemnation. They condemn themselves. And Jesus has to warn them. That's how he goes. He loves people. He'll never let anyone do something terrible without trying to warn them and help them. So even though the Melchizedek priesthood was with the nations and Judea had already rejected that, but there had to be a new covenant established with the world. And at that point, there was no new covenant yet until after he passed away. Until he died and went to hell, conquered the devil. And he made a new covenant with him just before he died. And then 49 days after that on Pentecost, they got the Holy Spirit and they had the power, the Holy Spirit, to demonstrate and to go forth and tell the world this, the wonderful words of the Lord that they received by Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus says, wait, tarry ye in Jerusalem until you're imbued with power. Because you can't do this without the Holy Spirit, guys. So you got people around the world today. Joe was witness to Seventh-day Adventists, Baptists, Lutherans, Catholics, and they're all running around trying to preach the gospel, but they don't have the power to do that. See, They're just speaking words of their own volition. They don't know the truth because no man can teach you. Only the Holy Spirit can. And, and, and she will teach you all things in the hour in which you need to know it. And Terry in Jerusalem, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. To give you this power. To be endued with power. And once they receive the new covenant. And the power to present. 
the the message to because the, the Holy Spirit will will remind you the words that I spoke to you, and the Holy Spirit will teach you. So and give you the, the words to speak in the hour in which you need to speak them. So we don't. We, if it was, if we have the knowledge ourselves, then we would just speak it because why wouldn't we? If we have truth, we should speak it. But we don't have the truth. We don't have the knowledge because nobody can teach us that knowledge but the Holy Spirit. And until we have the Holy Spirit, we can't. We don't know what that is. So this is why the Judeans were blind. This is why they were. Well, they were the ones that um were fools they were the ones who were under condemnation and this means that the other nations were not under condemnation except for one thing jesus said there are some standing right here that will not taste death until they see the kingdom coming with power well that was the power that, that they received on pentecost it came they had the power and they went and preached the gospel and those who received it, to them he gave the power to become the sons of the divine being. They had the kingdom, and it was within them. It was no part of this world. The kingdom came on Pentecost. That was the kingdom of the Lord. It came, it arrived, and it came with power. But the problem is, is that there was a great apostasy, and that Holy Spirit was taken from the world as a major influence now doesn't mean that there weren't some throughout time at any time even long before the flood or after the flood or in the dark ages or now or any time in history anyone could receive because it's the free gift and the lord loves us and it's our divine nature the problem is is if you don't know that you have this if you don't understand what it is if you if you haven't learned, if you don't have the gnosis, then even if you had it, you it would be like out of reach. So in some sense, it was within reach or it was near to anyone. Like like it says in, in the book of Acts, we're going to grope for the Lord that we might find him and he's not far from any one of us. But even though he's not far from any one of us, he's within us, the Holy Spirit's always been within us. The kingdom of the Lord kingdom of the divine being has always been within us but if we didn't know and we didn't have the gospel preached unto us we couldn't have understood that we didn't have that knowing and so this is why the holy spirit was poured out specifically because the G jesus the, the lord came this is what a lot of people don't realize when they say well there wasn't any real jesus just christ within okay great but until we have someone make a covenant it's it's something that happens moses made a covenant a specific covenant and people went to a specific mountain and they heard they had certain rituals and ceremonies and 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 they were circumcised and so they did certain things to know they were under some kind of a covenant so to just say well we're christians but we're not really under any covenant it's all symbolic jesus didn't really exist he didn't come there was no kingdom there was no outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right, in 33 AD or whatever year it was. And they didn't really have any power. And so what are we really talking about? We're worse to be pitied of all men. So he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand because he was going to die and make a covenant with them. And that was the kingdom. And they would have 
be imbued with power, not many days hence, and then they would the kingdom would come with power. We know that the apostles never went on missionary work. They stayed right there in Jerusalem and in that city and the towns and cities of Jerusalem. But John came baptizing, and yet Paul says, well, we don't do that anymore. Jesus didn't do any baptizing. His disciples didn't do any baptizing. John did. Well, now, when his disciples, Peter, James, John, and all these guys, were disciples of John the Baptist, remember, they were disciples of John the Baptist first, before Jesus came and declared the good news to them. And John said, are, are you the Messiah? And he said, well, go tell John. You, you know, you go back and tell John that the people are being healed, the deaf are hearing, the blind are seeing. He'll know. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, that's what the Messiah is going to do. He's going to bring about the kingdom. What's the kingdom? Well, it's the sight to the eyes. It's going to be healing. It's going to be the grace and the love of the Lord and the kingdom of the Lord. That's what the kingdom is. A brotherhood of love. It, it's happening. People are are, are, are are being healed. Well, as you probably can think or imagine, that didn't last for long. I mean, Jesus started it. He got some disciples. They went forth. They sent them two by two. And he told them, and we're going to read this here, only go unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Don't go to the Gentiles and don't go to the Samaritans. Well, that didn't last long. And there's some parables that we'll look at where uh, Jesus explains why that only lasted a short time. In fact, it was surprising to Peter. He's like, what? I was told not to go to the Gentiles. And now you want me to go to the Gentiles? Paul's like, yeah, I was told to go to the Gentiles. And Peter's like, what? You, what, who, what are you talking about? James is like, Gentiles? What, that's, they can't do that. We're all under the law. John thought we were under the law. James thought we were under the law. Peter thought we were under the law. He wouldn't eat with Gentiles. But Paul got this revelation separate because his, his apostleship was unto the Gentiles. So Peter said, no, nah, I ain't going to do that. Paul must be crazy or something. Well, then the Holy Spirit came because remember, Peter was the son of Jonas. Right? Who's Jonas? Jonah. And what did Jonah do? Well, he went from Joppa to Nineveh to preach repentance and they all repented. And Nineveh is where the ten tribes were scattered. Well, yeah, the ten tribes that went out and were scattered, well, before they got scattered in all the earth, they went to Nineveh and to the cities of the Medes in that area. And Jonah went to preach to them. And they were considered Gentiles. They weren't, you know, in that little area in Judea. But Jonah didn't want to go. He couldn't under. He probably felt like Peter. It's like huh, these guys aren't clean, right? They're they're filthy dogs because they were un, like dogs. They were unclean. Finally, the Holy Spirit forced him to go. I mean, he didn't want to go. I mean, he didn't want to go. So he took off on a boat to go some the up opposite direction, and he fell in the ocean. You know, the boat tipped over, whatever, got swallowed by a whale, and spit him out over there, and he had to go. And then all these people repented. Well, Peter, son of Jonas, did exactly the same thing. He didn't want to go to the Gentiles because he heard what the Lord said. Well, he didn't understand the little parables because Jesus was telling him. And I'll show you that Jesus prophesied that the gospel would go first to the Jews and then to the... Remember how Paul was always saying first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles? Why? What is this talking about? What's the whole point of this? Well, 
here in Matthew 10, we're going to explain the whole thing. This is going to open up a lot of doors where, like, how come in Matthew 24, Jesus is saying this kingdom will be preached and all the inhabited earth through a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Okay, so, yeah, eventually it goes to the nations. And, but didn't Jesus say that there are those standing here that will see the, that will not die before they see the power, the kingdom coming in power and glory? And then they went up onto a mountain and he saw uh, Moses and Elijah in uh, a transfiguration with Jesus. It was some kind of power there. And some people think that was the kingdom coming in power. That's not really it. The kingdom came in power on Pentecost, 49 nine days after Jesus died. Now, why is that? Because when Jesus died, now remember, the day before Jesus died, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took a cup and he blessed it, and he broke the bread, and he blessed it, after he blessed it, and he broke it and gave it to them, said, eat, this is my body, drink, this is my blood, I make a new covenant with you to sit on 12 thrones. He didn't make the new covenant with the whole world. Yeah, this new covenant... If he did, well, it sure failed, didn't it? Because the world doesn't have the new covenant. Even if there's all these Christians out there that are drinking some sort of goblet, of, they think they got the sacrament, right? But Paul says they're drinking damnation unto themselves. Just look at the book of Revelation, chapter 17 and 18, right? This woman, she's sitting on the, the church, right? She's sitting on the beast, and the beast wants to kill the church, but she's got this wine goblet, and it, and she's pouring it out, and they're getting damnation. Why? Because... They're not worthy. Like Paul says, they're drinking the cup unworthily. So there is the covenant. Look, Jesus preached the gospel. And then he died. And then his disciples took it. After they were, in, they were, they were imbued with power from on high. So the power to demonstrate and to preach and to heal didn't come until Pentecost. And that was the kingdom coming in power. It came in power, and the kingdom, no, it didn't manifest on earth in the sense of kingdoms, uh, kings sitting on thrones. They didn't sit on thrones on this earth, because it isn't over yet. We'll explain why. How long it's going to take to, to, to make it, you know, thy will in heaven be done on earth, right? But it came in power by means of the Holy Spirit, and they began to go and seek the children because he gave to them that received the Holy Spirit, to them he gave the power to become the sons of this divine being, the son of this kingdom, the sons of the kingdom. So there was a kingdom, but the kingdom's within you. So it didn't manifest on earth. But it came with power on Pentecost. And at that point, then there was 120, and they all heard everyone in, their, in these various languages, not just Judeans, uh, they they were from other nations and they all heard the wonderful works being extolled by the Holy Spirit and the teachings and the doctrines and the truths of the divine being through miraculous power. But, so what were they doing? They were building the temple for the Lord to inhabit by spirit. And there are 144,000 stones that are built up into a temple to, for the Lord to inhabit by spirit. Did they reach 144,000 before there was this apostasy? Well, there might have, they might have. 
It had to have been pretty close because there was 120 on Pentecost. And we know at some point in the New Testament, it says there was 5,000 and there was various numbers. It looks like quite early on they had five, ten thousand people and it probably grew to at least 144,000, you would think, by the end of 70 AD when the, while the apostles were alive. Well, they all passed away because something happened, an apostasy. And you're going to see here in Matthew 10 the entire explanation of what would happen even before it happened. Jesus explained what was going to happen. He explained there would be an apostasy. He explained not to believe them, that, the, that they, would, they would not... He said, go unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel and you will not... When they, when they persecute you in one city, he says, uh, flee to another and you will not have gone through all the cities of Israel until the Son of Man arrives. Another way of saying that is the Son of Man will arrive when you have reached all of the children of Israel. But guess what? Jesus also had a parable which said he's going to have a big wedding and go out and invite the guests and give them this white robe, right? And, and get them ready for the wedding. And they go out and they invite all these people. The Judeans, right? The, those that were in that area that were under this covenant. And um, then the, the day of the wedding arrives and they didn't, nobody was showing up because they didn't want to go. They, they rejected this invitation. So he said, all right, go out into the byways and into the streets and go get the homeless and the bums and the other nations and Gentiles. We don't care. Just go and get somebody to come to the, you know, if you guys don't want to come, I'll invite some other people. So, the gospel then went unto the Gentiles. Now, when it went to the Gentiles, then something happened. There was some kind of an apostasy. And the gospel wasn't preached for, I would say, about 2,000 years. And it's a little hard to understand why it would take that long, but that's probably why it's so difficult to understand this because we're always looking at Matthew 24. We're talking about this generation will not pass. And it seems like he's talking about the walls of Jerusalem and the people of Jerusalem and the city of Israel. But there was no Israel on earth for 2,000 years. In 70 AD, Jerusalem was destroyed. And it says that Jesus said himself that Jerusalem would be trampled on by the Gentiles till the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So whatever the times of these Gentiles are, they must be a couple thousand years or so. because, And we'll talk about that maybe in another video, exactly what the times of the Gentiles is. But we can't get into that today because we've got something else to share with you. But we can just basically, obviously say, because we know that we are now, when Jesus, when they asked him, when will these things be? He didn't say, oh, well, let me explain it to you. There is 2,000 years. Now, you know, they could now today we can look back and see where it says, you know, after two days he will revive us again. And on the third day he'll raise us up. And we understand that that's thousand years of each day. And it would be 2000. And on the beginning of the third millennial he'll wake us up. But that's kind of symbolic. And there's a lot of, you know, symbolisms to help us understand this that we wouldn't have known 2000 years ago. But 
he's talking about Jerusalem and, and the cities of Israel and probably say in the year 1000 AD or 1500, they're like, well, what's that talking about? Must all be spiritual because there is no Israel, right? There is no land of Israel. But from 1948, uh, it's been 70-some years, and in 2028, it will have been 80 years. And the Bible says this generation will not pass away. And in the Psalms, it tells us that a generation is 60 or 70 years, 80 if they're mighty. So 80 years, we'll be at 80 years in 2028. And I believe, I, I, I trust in the, in the Lord with all my heart, that he cannot lie. And I believe that the Lord will return by the year 2028. Now I understand when we don't know the day and the hour and all that. And I don't know the day and the hour. But the times and the seasons, we need nobody to tell us. Okay? According to the Apostle Paul. So let's go into this. Because look at what it says here. Well, in Matthew chapter 10, we could read the first verse, second, third, and fourth verse where he just calls his disciples and gives them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal the sick. Well, now, interesting, because the power of the Holy Spirit didn't come down until Pentecost. Here this was like a year before that or something or whatever it was, probably three years before. And they were, all, they were already receiving power. But it was like they were just kind of learning this and only the apostles themselves had this power. But on Pentecost, it went to a, a larger group and they went forth in power to to gather the children that would be invited to this wedding this kingdom because it's symbolically a marriage covenant it's a kingdom covenant but he's already giving them power over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal the sickness and, and diseases and there were 12 apostles and names them and then it goes in verse 5 and these 12 Jesus sent and he commanded them, do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Do not enter into the city of the Samaritans. Well, did he not like Gentiles? What we're going to find out here is that these Gentiles are Israel. Everybody in the world is going to be saved in Christ. And Jesus was born from a lineage from Jacob, an Israelite. So we have Paul saying that Israel is like a tree. And some of the branches are broken off. And there are these others that are grafted into their own olive tree, but they're wild olives. And then he says, when the Gentiles become in, all Israel will be saved. So how is it that all Israel is saved when the Gentiles become in? Because the Gentiles are all of these Israelites. They're wild branches. And they are Israelites. Now, there are 12 tribes and 72 souls came out of the loins of Jacob. So all the 72 nations are, are, going, are all going to get their inheritance somewhere in these 12 tribes. So when it says Gentiles, it's not saying pagans. It's saying the nations. And we also find out that Samaritans are going to get the gospel. So they must be Israelites as well. And then it says, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. See, there are other houses of Israel, but go to the lost ones. So he says, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There are those standing here that will not taste death before they see the kingdom coming in power, the kingdom of God coming in power. So the, the power of the kingdom was that they had the Holy Spirit. 
And when they did that, it says that, that they could heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead and cast out demons. That would be the coming of the kingdom, making people whole. Freely you receive, freely give, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now, I always used to read that and think, oh, so if you're, because remember, I was raised Jehovah's Witness, and we went from door to door. But we had money, you know, we had nice shoes, nice clothes, dressed up in suit and tie, right? And I always thought, well, that's crazy. They were not even supposed to have, they were supposed to be poor. They were not supposed to be even thinking about money or, or, or living in society. I mean, think about it. If you only have one pair of sandals and no money in your purse, you're supposed to rely on the, the goodwill of those householders. They were supposed to, he says, Jesus elsewhere says, any house that you enter, stay there until they are understood and got the gospel and they will feed you while you're there. And then when you're all done teaching them, then you go on to the next place. And he says, if they don't receive you, you shake the dust off your feet and go on to the next place. But they were, he says, the worker is worthy of his hire. What does that really mean? People think, oh, it means that I should be able to uh, monetize my videos. That's not really what it means. I mean, the principle is still there. But it really, there's instructions about preaching the gospel. And, and you talk about apostasy? How do we know where the apostasy started? Well, when this stopped, when the preaching the gospel stopped, that was the apostasy in one sense. Because remember, it says, you will not have reached all the cities of Israel until the Son of Man arrives. So if we're going to all the cities of Israel until the Son of Man arrives, and the Son of Man hasn't arrived yet, he hasn't come. Jesus hasn't returned yet in the clouds of heaven that every eye shall see him. Right? Well, that could happen now because Israel's back in their land. But this is basically saying, I don't know how many people understand this, but if the gospel's going to be preached and all the inhabitants for the witness to all the nations, it's going to have to be preached following the instructions of the Lord. We're not supposed to have money. We're not supposed to be in society. We're not supposed to have money in our pouch. We're not going to be carrying a sword. We're not going to join the military. We're not going to be a part of this world. All the way until the Son of Man arrives. And we're going to be going from house unto house. Not, you know, not in our Lamborghini, pulling up in the street, you know, corner, and getting out and walking down the block, and then go knocking on doors for a few minutes, passing out propaganda in a pamphlet, and then going to the coffee shop down the road for another hour and write that on our time, that's not preaching the gospel. We're supposed to stay with these people. They're going to provide our food and take care of us. We're going to teach them the gospel. Once they got the gospel, then we're going to leave and then they're going to follow us because then they're going to go and give up the world and come and follow the Lord. Everybody who followed the Lord went and followed the Lord. Some of them said, oh, let me go bury my father. You think these Jehovah's Witnesses would... Um, be willing to give up all things and go follow the Lord? I don't think so. So are they preaching the gospel? I don't think so. But, hey, that's just the beginning of what we're going to learn today. Verse 11, Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy. Now this is what we were talking about, actually. I jumped the gun. And stay there till you go out. You think these Jehovah's Witnesses would do that? Oh no, they've got their houses and their luxury penthouse. Yeah, they got... Nice cars and radios and, you know, their, their phones are flipping through their phone and 
making appointments and contacts and wearing suit and tie. There's no way this would they would ever do this. See, they they, they it's just so easy for people to say, "Well, we don't believe in this part of this gospel, right? We'll do it our own way." Forget the instructions of the Lord. And so it says, "And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it." But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say unto you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of the judgment than for that city. We are going to go from city to city, from house to house. And we will not have gone over all the cities of Israel, wherever they are lost out there in the world. And then if they don't come, we'll go to the Gentiles. We'll see that here in a minute. But we're going to go looking for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, if we can find them, to the Jew first, and then to the Greek, and then to all the Gentiles, which we're going to find out really is lost Israel. But since they didn't know where they were, Peter was a little confused, right? But when we go in and we do this preaching work, and this is going to continue until the Son of Man arrives. So that means if we, you and I are Christians and we believe in this, then we're going to have to give up the world. Now, it's going to be a little easier than you think because, uh, you know, it's not, like if you really have the Holy Spirit, if you have knowledge even, if you just have a, an inkling of, of of goodwill and zeal for the Lord. When this starts coming, breaking, when this starts happening here, where they demanding everybody get the mark of the beast and stuff, no, no sincere human being who has any knowledge or knowing, which is the goal, the knowing, is going to be capable, would never allow themselves to participate in this world. So we will be homeless. So how will we survive? Well, he explains it right here. We're going to go and we're going to gather untogether. Yeah, do not forsake the gathering. That doesn't mean in churches. It means to gather together as one people in the mountains. And when we gather, we're going to do it as you see the day drawing near, right? At a specific appointed time. So we'll see that here in a minute. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Oh yeah, it ain't going to be fun and games. We're going to be like sheep in the midst of wolves. They're going to be persecuting us. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. Why in their synagogues? Because we'll be going to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And they're not going to like it. He says, you'll be brought before governors and kings for my namesake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Ah, so it's not only a testimony unto them, right? These lost sheep of the house of Israel, which is Judea, they're lost. We'll explain that further. But um, you'll also be, it'll be a witness or a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Remember when that other scripture in Matthew 24 says this good news of the kingdom will be preached in all the inhabited earth? Not just Jerusalem, but all the inhabited earth. 
for a witness, for a witness, for a testimony. And all the nations for a testimony. That doesn't necessarily mean they're all going to be converted, converted, because they're going to be putting us in prison and stuff like that. So at that point, they won't all just be converted right away. And they will deliver you up. Do not worry about how or what you should speak. You see, they couldn't even do any of this until they received the power, which is the Holy Spirit, which will teach you all things. For it will be given to you in that hour. We've talked about that in other videos about the hour, which is a very short time, which is very symbolic for the last days, the last generation. And so we're not supposed to worry about what we're going to speak in that hour. And I think it always uses this word hour because though this is meant, these words were meant as he spoke them to the disciples. They didn't need a book. He spoke it to them in person. But for us, we, we, it was written down. This is written to us upon whom the ends of the world has come. And so these are instructions for us. Now, how come we're down here 2,000 years later? We'll explain all that thoroughly. This is all, right here what we're reading is actually the explanation that explains that we're not going to reach all the cities of Israel until he comes. And he's almost here. So we better get out and do this work. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver up brother to death. See, this is going to be fulfilled very specifically for us in our generation. And only a very few will be willing to give up everything and have no money in their purse and go forth and preach the gospel. What I'm doing right here is a call, basically. Kind of like uh, the... Essenes that were like in the wilderness crying out, prepare ye the way. Well, we need to prepare, guys, because the preaching work has to start here very soon. We've got to go and, and, and do exactly what we're instructed to do. And it says, the children will rise up against the parents and cause them to be put to death. Oh, buddy, I can see that happening. It's already, I think, beginning. And you will be hated of all for my name's sake. But he who endures unto the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee into another. For assuredly, I say unto you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So does that mean we can only preach the gospel in Jerusalem? I doubt whether I'll ever make it to Israel, the, that country over there. But, Could it be that these lost sheep of the house of Israel have cities all around the world? Now, Peter and John didn't necessarily know about all these cities at that time. That's why it surprised Peter when the Lord said, Hey, don't you call unclean what I have cleansed. And how did he cleanse the Gentile? Because they were, they were dirty? They were impure? No, because they didn't have the truth. They had this... The Judeans were unclean simply because they had the lie, the guilt... They were following this devil. And they had preached their gospel. I mean, remember, Dan went with this gospel of uh, uh, genocide, right? The law of Moses. He went forth and, and, and today, most of the world's under the law of Moses. And they're all unclean because of that. But we're not going to have gone through all the cities of Israel. We're not going to have gone to wherever they might be 
here in the latter days, and I believe in America, China, and everywhere else, until the Son of Man comes. This is going to be fulfilled before our eyes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher. Oh, we're not going to be greater than Jesus ever. <laughs> but we are going to be just like him. All of us that is doing this work, that when we do this work, we're going to be imbued from on high with the, with, with the outpouring, the latter rain. That's why there's, there's this prophecy about the latter rain. They got the former rain. We're going to get the latter rain. And if we didn't have the latter rain of the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't even know what to speak. Right? It's only going to be the Holy Spirit will tell us what to speak. We can't know what to say. We don't know the gospel. It's a gift given from the Lord. Wisdom is a gift. Faith is a gift. You can't have any of these things if you don't have the Holy Spirit. So we need to tarry and wait for the power from on high so that we can demonstrate the kingdom with power. It will come in power and in glory and the world will see the receive a testimony. We'll have a showdown like Elijah with the Baal worshippers. There's the false prophet that's going to be doing these great wonders and bringing fire down from the sky. Probably literal fire and missiles. And then there's going to be the prophet Elijah and the two witnesses. And they'll be preaching in sackcloth. Preaching on the streets of Sodom and Egypt just as their Lord did. Well, it's obviously it's not just on the streets of Jerusalem but also Sodom in Egypt, which is a sinful place, the world is that is that place where all the children of Israel are, and where all of the uh, apostasy has has gone. And they will hate us. They will send gifts to one another when they have finally gotten rid of us. But then, at that point, it will be sudden destruction. So. We're going to be like our, our master, like our teacher. And uh, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, see, that's a derogatory word. Uh, we'll talk about Beelzebub in another video coming up because that's a very interesting study. But it doesn't appear to be anything uh, nice, right, to be called Beelzebub. They called Jesus Beelzebub. But if they called him that, how much more will they call those of his household? We're going to be the household of Christ. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. So, don't worry that, you know, the Lord doesn't know what's going on or the people won't know that you're preaching the gospel and they might kill you or whatever. You're not to worry because no matter what happens, the Lord knows what's going on and the entire world will know very shortly. And so he says, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the, in the ear, preach on the housetops. What does he mean in the ear? By the spiritual ear. What the Lord tells us by spirit, we must go on the housetops and preach. If we don't have that zeal and, and we don't do these things and preach this gospel, then we are not his disciples. That's what a disciple is. A student. And what do you learn? As a student, uh, wonderful, magical words, uh, how to play a flute, like fancy little poetic sayings. No, we're going to be learning what the kingdom is, the gnosis, and what we know 
by power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to tell the world. So don't worry. Once you know it, you got to speak. The Holy Spirit will compel you. And if you disobey the Holy Spirit, that's, that's pretty bad. But I don't think the Holy Spirit's going to fall on anybody unless they have sit and waited and tarried patiently in one accord in one place, right? They were all in one place, like, like uh, the Tower of Babel, the Gate of El. They were all in one place, right? And they were going to raise to become like, you know, into an upper room to become like the divine being, to have knowledge, gnosis, which is what the Spirit is. So it says, do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Why do you think he would say that at this point? Because some of you, will they will be put to death, he says. But don't you worry. Don't be afraid. They can only kill your body. They can't kill your soul. You getting scared now? Well, yeah, you would be, wouldn't you, if you didn't have the Holy Spirit? Because you can't do this without the Holy Spirit, friends. That's why I'm saying we're going to have to get down on our knees. We're going to have to gather together as you see the day drawing near. But fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Well, I don't want to go into what that means in this video because it would take us a long time and we don't have any time. We're already, you know, just almost an hour on hour practically. And uh, so we can't get into that. There's no hell. Don't worry about it. No actual literal torture where flames and you're eternally tortured and all that. Hell is simply a place where it's, well, it's the cycle of rebirth and you, you go in there and you pay the last penny and you don't come out until you do. Right? And the only way to pay the price is to receive the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. But anyway, it says, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? Was that a penny? <laughs> and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. You see, no matter what we're going through, you may get up in the morning and feel depressed and lonely and, and you know, you think, well, the Lord don't know. I'm, I'm suffering down here. I don't understand why the Lord don't make my life better. Well, the Lord knows everything, everything. He knows when a sparrow falls. He knows he's got every hair of your head numbered. He knows everything's going on. If you'll trust in him and don't, you know, like the children of Israel that lusted in their hearts, but be like Christ who went when he was being tempted of the devil. He just fasted and, and, and proved faithful. And when we do that, the angels will come and minister unto us. Don't you worry. Just be faithful. Endure unto the end, you'll, you'll be saved. So, the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him also I will confess before my Father is in heaven. What does this mean? We always thought this is just the whole thing about Christianity. We're walking around, are you Christian? Do you confess the Lord Jesus? And we're like, well, I believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Lutheran doctrine, and the what, you know, that's somehow salvation. No, no, no. What he's saying here is when this preaching work, you know, there's going to be apostasy for a long time, but when, before the Son of Man arrives, we've got to go forth and follow these instructions, and we're going to go from place to place. If they don't receive the gospel, we'll shake the dust off of our feet. And anyone who denies Jesus, after we have testified before them with the power of the Holy Spirit, we will have the ability to heal the sick, to cast out demons, just like the early church. And they will have no excuse. And they will deny him or they will receive him. 
And so it says, if they deny me before men, him also I will deny before my father who is in heaven. This is something written for us. Jesus spoke these words personally to these people. And they went out and did it in their, in their day. And they preached until about 70 when that, you know, old Jewish Jerusalem was destroyed and the Gentiles began to trample the holy city. And apostasy has been reigning in some way or another. But it's all going to, they're going to have the, the, the latter reign and we're going to have to do this before the end comes, this last generation. So he says, do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be those of his own household. Friends, this is going to be the hardest part for me to see people I love reject the Lord, people hate me, people we love may even try to kill us or turn us into the Gestapo. This is going to happen. It's going to be very sad. It's going to be heart-wrenching. And then we'll not be able to get through this without the Holy Spirit. So when he says he, he came not to bring peace, he's not saying that he didn't bring, he's not trying to bring peace. When his kingdom comes, there will be peace. But what he's talking about is during this time, we're going to be going out there and people are going to hate us. And we're going to have to love the Lord and the kingdom and know the truth of it. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's something else. I keep saying that this was written for us. You know, it may be a nice little nursery rhyme. You know, always give a cup of water to those who need it. And, you know, and this is good morally for people of any time for the last 2,000 years. But specifically, this was written for those upon whom the ends of the world has come. And it says, he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. And he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. You see, there will be prophets in the day of the Lord, in, in this day. We as Christians will be prophets. We will have visions. We will dream dreams. We are going to heal the sick. We are going to do greater works than Jesus did, but we will not be greater than our master. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So you see what this is saying is that everybody receives our testimony, even though they may not be doing the preaching. There will be a great multitude who will have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Standing with palm branches saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And you see, Jesus told the Sanhedrin, you will not see me again. I'm going to leave. You, you, in the latter days, you will receive this guy called the Antichrist. You'll receive him. He's going to come in his own name, Yahweh. But I came in my father's name and you didn't receive me. But you're not going to see me again until the second coming. Until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. See, the whole world, we're going to have to convert a great multitude by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Nineveh repented. And it will, the repentance will come. The great multitude will repent and turn to the Lord because of the witnessing of the disciples. And this good news of the kingdom will be preached and all the inhabitants will witness all the nations and then the end will come. But anyway, guys, we're well over an hour. Got to go for today. There's more that we want to get to in this study because I think we'll probably do another video 
and talk more about the timeline and why it's been 2,000 years and more details about this um, work that the Lord is going to have his disciples do in the latter days and all the particulars. Hope you have a wonderful evening, guys. May the Lord bless you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one.